Welcome to the Coeur Adventist Podcast. Created, produced, and directed by the members of the Coeur Seventh-day Adventist Church. To connect. To grow. To grow. To worship. To reflect Jesus. Let's discover what we can do. Together. 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 Welcome to Interviews, where we take the time to get to know individuals in our faith community a little better. My name is RJ Henneberg, and for episode four, I get to talk to a somewhat younger member of our church. Today, we are talking with Elise Kazan. If you've been in the Coeur d'Alene Adventist Church for a while, you likely are familiar with Elise, especially with the involvement of the Kazan family with Lake City Academy. Elise is up to big things, so let's get to know her a little better. Elise Kazan, (laughs) I am very impressed. Just to kind of start off, like, (laughs) there's a few people who, you know, you look at and you're very impressed with, like, how they treat other people. And one thing, obviously, you treat people great, but how you work with our kids and stuff, like, our kids are kind of obsessed with you, and I don't know, we've... We, uh, my wife and I, Katie and I, are very impressed by you, and and uh, it's encouraging moving forward with our kids. We're like, ah, be sweet if we had a couple little Elises, because you're so, because you're so nice to everyone, and we really appreciate that. But I'd love to hear, kind of your story, you know, how, how you grew up, how you were raised, and and um, all that type of stuff. Um, well, to start off, thank you for your kind words. I'm honored. <laughs> I think the obsession is uh, mutual. But as far as how I was raised, I guess starting off, I was born um, in Pierre, South Dakota. Um, small town is the capital of South Dakota. I was born to two immigrant parents, um, both of them from Romania. I, as far as the church goes, I went to a very small Adventist school um, the whole time that I lived there. At its peak while I was there, I think there were 17 kids from K through 8. And right before we left, there was five, and two of those people were my brother and I. So, (laughs) obviously it was connected to a church, and I mean, in the same, like the same block, Um, I grew up going to church every Saturday, um, VBS there. And then when we started visiting um, Idaho and Coeur d'Alene Seventh-day Adventist Church, VBS here, um, we would come visit here in the summers and I went to Camp Myvedin, the Adventist camp. So uh, how'd you hear, like, how'd you hear about Coeur d'Alene? Just um, one day your parents were like, we're doing it. <laughs> we're going to Idaho. I think my dad had heard from another Romanian. I'm I hope he doesn't quote me on this, but I think about this area. And so we came to visit, um, and my parents were drawn to how pretty it was, obviously coming from South Dakota. So we started to come here on vacations and um, during the summertime and for Christmas. And then kind of one thing led to another. My parents kind of wanted a larger, <laughs> more opportunities for Adventist education and other educational opportunities. So when I was... Um, 12 years old, we moved here. And um, so at that time, my brother and I both attended 
what was Lake City Junior Academy at the time. <laughs> um, and we're members of this church. My parents still are. Um, and I went to Upper Columbia Academy after that, and then Walla Walla after that, kind of the um, transition that a lot of people are familiar with. And then... And so two years ago, um, I transferred to Washington State University to the nursing school here in Spokane. And that was my first experience with um, secular education, as a student in secular education. Yeah. So you're a nurse now? Uh, I'm graduating. I'm technically supposed to graduate this Saturday, this weekend. Wow. Yeah. So how's that work? Like you all go on Zoom and it's, yeah, it's they a like Zoom email graduation. you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So plans, plans for the future as far as education. Um. So plans for the future. As the plan is now, I'm supposed to get married to my current fiance in July, at the end of July. Um, and we were both accepted to Loma Linda Medical School, and we are deferring for a year, um, meaning we're taking the year off. We want to do some volunteer work, international volunteer work. Um, hopefully our plan is at refugee camps. And then after that year, then we will be starting medical school um, summer of 2021 at Loma Linda. Nice. So that's future plans as they stand now. I've, I've had the privilege of having a lot of conversations with your dad. We've, we've got to work together. And uh, I don't think I've ever met someone that thinks the way he does. And that's a compliment. <laughs> that's not like, that's a big compliment. Like he always... He always challenges and, and makes me think in a different way. And so I look, some of the conversations and, and just the observations with him, like he's someone who's very successful in his work. He's good at what he does. He's got a successful business, but he has a passion and a heart for service that isn't very common with someone maybe in his, at his stage of success or life or or whatever and it's kind of cool yeah we want to go to a refugee camp like what why are you wanting to do that like what's what's spurring you on I guess um I guess as maybe as you pointed out and kind of the obvious it starts with upbringing um I think largely myself and my parents knowing that they came to this country with nothing. My mom was a refugee herself and spent a couple weeks in a refugee camp. Um, and then feeling like this country and people here and the church opened them with, well, like with open arms, um, I think is probably subconsciously, maybe consciously what started my desire for service. And I think my parents, no matter where they how they were feeling about different topics or whatever, anything controversial with Adventism. I think growing up, my mom making meals for everybody. And like you said, my dad's kind of heart for service. He'd probably be upset that I said that. But uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> that no matter where they, how they felt that they had to give back, I think that that translated probably to my brother and I feeling like, okay, it's our turn now. Like this country, this church, this God has given to our family 
and now it's our turn to give to somebody else. And so I think it started with that. And then my fiance also has done international work. He worked as a teacher in um, the island on the island of Ponape for a year. Um, and I think he kind of sparked the desire to do international service and to defer initially. Um, and I think those two things combined and now we both feel like we want also have a good year after graduating from college and obviously the refugee crisis is um, something huge right now. It's, we're kind of thinking maybe, maybe it's our turn now. So yeah. That's awesome. So how'd you, how'd you guys meet? Um, well, that's a funny story. So we went to high school together at Upper Columbia Academy, and we were just friends. Um, we're in the same friend group, and I think all of our friends thought or knew that we would get together. Eventually, we fiercely denied it. And then we went to college and ended up in the same some of the same classes we had general chemistry and we had calculus together and so we were studying together and doing things you know doing our homework and that wasn't really unusual for us um, because we had done that in high school together but at some point something changed (laughs) from calculus to something else so and the rest is history I guess well nice so your first year in college you started dating yeah okay cool so long distance a little bit um, yeah, long distance. He was, um, as I mentioned, he was a teacher in Ponape for a year. And during oh, that yeah. time, I was still in Walla Walla. So we went, we saw each other at Christmas. Um, but other than that, we didn't see each other that whole academic year. And then now, once I transferred to Washington State, he was still at Walla Walla. And so that was a couple hours, but it wasn't, wasn't Not too terrible. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. So did, uh, did he ask your dad if he could propose? He did ask my dad. I did not know. Like, I would have loved to have been a fly <laughs> on the wall for that conversation. Oh, that makes two of us. He is, yeah. I love my dad and I love my fiance dearly, but I would also have loved to be in that room. Um, he, I guess, so I was having, um, I had an appointment that day in Spokane and he was visiting me and he had planned to take that opportunity while I was at my appointment to drive to my dad's office um, and to ask him, I guess he had previously said, told my dad that he wanted to stop by. And I think I might quote this not exactly correct, but his first line was when he walked into my dad's office was, um, I guess you know that I'm not here to talk about the Lakers. Because both my dad and him are Lakers fans. and um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think my dad knew what was coming. But thankfully, uh, my dad said yes. And here we are. <laughs> nice. Wow. He comes in right off the bat. Bold. I like it. Took me like five hours to actually work <laughs> up the nerve. <laughs> uh, I think it's a short conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, very cool. So do you have a, when you're thinking about working at a refugee camp, is there, like, if you already made some connections to where it's like, oh, we hope to be in this area, or is that still kind of a ways down the road? Well, it's kind of up in the air right now because of the pandemic, but um, we had some friends who had worked um, 
in Samos in Greece at the refugee camp there, and we have about three friends who had done it, and they had done it with the organization called Refugee for Refugees, um, which was started by a refugee himself, as the name implies. Um, and that's who we were planning on going with because we had kind of had a connection and we know someone else was going to be there or planning to be there this upcoming year. But they have recently closed application, volunteer applications because of travel bans and because um, coronavirus. And it's got a little dangerous there for a little um, with protesting and between Turkey and Greece, there are some um, issues. Safety has kind of been an issue. So at this point, they're not taking volunteer applications. And now we're trying to look into a medical um, organization called Med Equality Team, Equality Team, um, also working in Greece, also in the refugee camps, and largely focused on um, the medical aspect of the care of refugees. Cool. But also, we can't apply for that for another month. Um, and. So everything's kind of up in the air right now. We're looking into other international programs, but if that opens up, I think that's where we'd like to be. So personal question, mm -hmm. how are you coping with that? Because like you're talking about, you know, there's some brides to be that are super high strung <laughs> and like every detail has to be perfect. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, a pandemic kind of rains on that parade a little bit. So like, it seems like, you are very, like, you're very smart. You seem to be somewhat organized. How do you, um, like, what gets you kind of through this process? Because all of a sudden, like, your whole life <laughs> is changing a little bit. And maybe it won't. Maybe things will get easier, whatever. But it's kind of, there's a lot up in the air, it seems like. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I will openly admit I'm very type A. Um, so I like to know what's happening. I like to have a plan. Um, I would have liked to have this upcoming year planned out and my own wedding planned out by now, <laughs> but, um, I guess on one hand it's nice because it's not up to me. I mean, there's, it's so out of my control that I can't Blame yeah. it on the fact that I wasn't organized or something didn't fall into place. I mean, this is happening everywhere to everybody. Um, it's forcing type A's to be type B. Exactly. Because I'm a type A too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it might just make, in some ways, it might, could make things simpler. Like maybe I'll have a courthouse wedding and maybe we'll have to stay home and not, you know, not travel for a little while. In that case, then there no details need to be worked out. And then... I mean, just in a larger perspective, there, I'm very lucky to be planning these type of things. I mean, we're wedding and a year abroad, so I don't really feel like I'm in a place to complain when people during this pandemic are seriously struggling, and yeah. I don't want to discount that. Yeah, no, good point. So maybe shifting a little bit, our local church, so you, I mean, you didn't grow up here, you grew up in South Dakota, mm -hmm. but... You spent a, a decent chunk here, and I know that's kind of where I feel like our paths crossed first. Before we had kids, we were kind of helping in youth a little bit mm -hmm. here and there. Not too much, not as much as we should have, but a little bit. Enough to um, eat some of your mom's amazing cooking, so that was nice. <laughs> um, but I guess our church 
and I'm not trying to be negative, but for your age group where you've, you're in college, you've just graduated from college, that seems to be a big black hole for our church. Like there's not a lot there. And there's a lot of excuses we have. Hey, you know, we don't have a lot of higher education opportunities. When people go through the system or anything and they want to continue education, well, you've pretty much got to move to make that happen. What are your insights? Like, how how can our church improve? What would you have liked to have seen different, if possible, like if you had a magic wand? <laughs> um, well, first, I, I would agree. I would say I've grown up here. I mean, we moved here when I was 12, so I don't remember you know, too much before then, but I remember since moving here pretty clearly. Um, And in some ways, I feel like this church kind of raised me, inspired me. I mean, I went to LC, what is now LCA, um, and having class in the church as it's connected, it was, you know, hard not, not not to know who was supporting you know, our basketball games and our, you know, school events and, you know, the relationships, like you said, that were built there. And some of my favorite years were at LCJA. Um, And then with my pursuit into healthcare, there are a lot of people in the church that um, both supported my efforts and kind of inspired me to go that route. And so I guess I don't want to negate or, you know, speak poorly about a church that I feel like has had such a big impact on on me personally, I think largely because of relationship-based and then also because of the education um, that I had at LCJA. As far as my age group, I have wondered this (laughs) for so long. I do not, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of young families with young kids yeah. or, um, you know, kind of newlyweds in that, in that age group. And then there's younger kids. Um, but my age group, it seems like has been missing <laughs> and, and throughout the time that we've been here, it seems like that's been the case. And I've wondered that. And then I thought, you know, at the time when I was in high school, there weren't really high schoolers. And now that I'm in college, it felt like there weren't really college students. And I don't really <laughs> know. And, I would like to give helpful suggestions. I would like to be that person, but I guess it's stumped me probably as much as it's stumped you. I think part of it, yeah, it's just the proximity to, or lack of proximity to higher education. So it's not a college, I mean, an Adventist college town. And because of that, people aren't here during their college years. Um, their Upper Columbia Academy is here, but because it's a boarding school, people come from all over. And so Many of them aren't locally based. Um, so a lot of my friends from high school were not from here um, just because of the nature of the school. And as far as the church itself, um, I guess I'm, I'm unsure. It's in some ways traditional. In some ways, I also feel that it's progressive in its direction. So... And, and I think there's room for growth in both areas, wherever people consider that they may be. Um, so I haven't felt coming here as if my generation or our worldview has been suppressed and coming here. I guess I, I haven't felt that way. So <laughs> I, I don't know. 
it's hard because <clears throat> you know you look for community you naturally are drawn know when katie and i first moved back man we'd see a young couple and we were on them like a pack of wolves on a three-legged <laughs> rabbit like yeah you cover that door i'll cover this door <laughs> we'll meet it you know but when you're when you're not you know not married yet you're in college things like that there's just there's not a lot of a lot of not a lot of people there so it's hard to find that person to draw to it seems a little harder and now i'm getting old so if i come up and i'm like hey i'm the crazy old guy <laughs> but yeah i don't and i almost wonder like okay do you maybe we need to transfer some leadership to this group you know maybe that would make a difference um get some of that involvement i i don't know and is I mean, this problem isn't specific to Coeur d'Alene Church alone. Am yeah. I right to assume that? In a lot of churches, there are gaps in this age group, right? If my current age group, which is college student or high school to college transition, is that fair to assume? Yeah. And then people, if they do go on to, you know, Adventist higher education, a lot of them end up coming back or, you know, settling somewhere where there's an Adventist community, having families, and then maybe at that point realize they want this type of community. But I think... Well, it's hard, too, because out of people that I grew up with or went to school with, the amount that are still with the church, it's not not a lot. <laughs> that being said, there's a lot of people that have come back, especially when they have kids. Now they're like, okay, I want to raise, raise my kids in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I know that's something that's kind of... That's always on my heart a little bit, like, huh... And, and, you know, I've heard the argument or the point of where it may be of benefit, you know. What about the Amish community where they kind of send people away, kind of that age? And they view it as a benefit. And maybe that is something where people, when they leave where they've been trained and where they've been told this is how things are done and, and you know, go their own way for a little bit, maybe it puts things in perspective. I don't know. That's true. I think people my age or even younger, when they get the chance to make their own decisions and they're no longer under um, their parents' rules or, or, or as direct of an influence, I think they, we, we look for something else or something different to know what is life outside of the way we've been raised. And I don't think that's specific to Adventist community, like you said, Amish or, you know, any type of religious or cultural community I think people just are naturally curious to understand what drew people to the community that they are raised in and what is outside of those I guess boundaries for lack of what better words and then may or may not end up coming back to it yeah yeah final question Coeur d'Alene Seventh-day Adventist Church how could you see it improve? Like if you were to jump forward five years or so and saw what this church was doing, what it looked like, what what would make you think, wow, I'm impressed? I went there once upon a time, you know? <laughs> uh, that is a good question. I think it's hard because thinking about improvement for a church looks different for different people in different age groups. And I think Coeur d'Alene almost more so, or maybe just in my opinion, than surrounding church, Adventist churches have such a variety of people 
And so what looks like improvement for one age group or one uh, group of people may look differently than, and, and sometimes I think those can contradict. Yeah. And for that reason, <laughs> I did not want to be a pastor because I think that's, I, or, you know, in that sense, because I think that's hard to address. Maybe this is just my own personal opinions or application to religion and upbringing is the service aspect and the education aspect. So I am so thankful for the education that I had in the Adventist system. I mean, I wouldn't say it was perfect, or nor would any experience be, but I think focusing on supporting Adventist education and the forward progression of it um, and its relevance to modern-day society and to the needs of people currently, I think, is huge. And I think that's reflected in how a church operates, is what they stand behind. And I think if they stand behind education and its academics and serving people that can't always afford to go to their schools, I mean, I think that's huge. And the other thing is serving the community, the vulnerable. And I guess in the way I see it, that's what Christianity really has to come down to. Adventists, Adventism or not should come down to service. And I think if it doesn't manifest in that way, then it seems useless. And so the vulnerable populations, I think in general, Spokane has a problem with homelessness. They are a center for also for um, refugees, for accepting refugees. Yeah, I mean, that's dwindled in recent years. But Addiction is a huge problem, and that's not something necessarily that a church can tackle. But I think those type of communities and those populations, whether agreeing with the lifestyles of people or not, I think the service of those communities um, would be a huge step, I think, for churches and not just Coeur but I think Coeur too. And I would be proud to see Coeur involved in those type of communities. Final question. Sure thing. Point B. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Here's point B. Okay, what about the world church? Would you see kind of a similar vein there? What would make you proud of Adventism? And just to kind of couple why I'm asking that, I look back in history and, you know, our this faith organization fought against slavery. Lots of this stuff that I look back and read the history books, and I'm like, this is amazing. Like I'm we so- We were progressive. Pro- revo- progressive, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it was something that maybe pushed a lot of people out of their comfort zone, but as things looking back, I'm so proud of. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what would do the same in our day? Is it just kind of leaning progressively to service, or is there, is there it's, hard, it's hard to, we don't know the future, so it's hard to predict. But what, what would be something that would be make you so proud looking back? Yeah, that is a good question. I've thought about this a lot. I mean, and maybe not so successfully coming to a good answer. But I've thought about this. I mean, what, what would make me proud to say I was raised in an Adventist community? What would make me proud of the church? And at what point do I take responsibility for its direction instead of ah. easily pointing fingers and saying, you know, you didn't do this or you should be doing this. Um, 
for a while I thought, oh, it was my age. Like I can't do anything at my age. Now I can't use that excuse. And then I had to reconcile, well, if I disagree with certain things about the church or the way things are handled, you point out women's ordination, I have my opinions on that for sure. And if I disagree with how that's handled and how other issues are handled, do I, am I still responsible for its direction? Am I still responsible for claiming it's like, do I get to claim its successes and then be responsible for its failures? And I do not know the answer to that. I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, but as far as the world church, if I were to hand it off to somebody else and me myself give the direction, I would hope that the world church would give more autonomy to specific geographical areas as it relates to their religious and cultural and political contexts. Because I think when decisions are made for the world church, I guess, uh, I don't always see it as being the most effective because people are obviously influenced by where they are and by their government situation and by um, cultural, cultural and language and, and all of those things and things that different people value. Um, and so because of that, I think uh, the world church should look more... Um, I don't want to say divided because I think that people that, that I guess it gets a knee-jerk reaction, but there's autonomy distributed to local regions to make their own decisions, and that unity d doesn't have to look as we're all in agreement, we're all making the same decisions because I don't think that works. And I think for my age group and for my context, being an American and you know where I am, I think. A lot of people in my situation can agree with that. Um, so I think if somehow, I don't want to use the word bureaucracy or administration, I don't know, but if if there was more freedom given to people in specific areas, um, in specific situations, I, I would be proud of that. And obviously, I would like to see it as a more inclusive church, um, with whether that's with women, whether that's with, LGBTQ and their involvement, whether that looks, I don't, I, I get, yeah, I guess there's a lot of different avenues and whether that's just thought process, um, I would like there to be freedom for us to disagree where we can still say we're all an Adventist community. We're all one community without having to agree on everything. And so I guess if I were to direct the world church, I guess that's where I'd like to see. And of course, the service aspect. I mean, I think that's one thing I'm really proud of the Adventist church and to be a part, you know, could could say to be, I could be a part of is international service and what they've done abroad. And um, Hopefully that continues. I like it. Well put. Thanks. Very good. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you, Elise. I love your optimism as well. And, and um, you're, you're very well well thought, wise beyond your years. So, and I wish you the best moving forward. You've got a exciting few months coming up. So. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Special thanks to Elise Kazan for spending some time and letting us get to know her a little better, and also to Ryan Bell for music. For more information about our church, visit cdaadventist.org. 